Welcome to KathleenWitten.org. We believe that Kathleen's message will inspire you, encourage you, and give you a fresh perspective on life. Now, here's Kathleen. This is called Discover Jesus as the Living Word. It's the Living Word. And it's discovering Jesus as the Living Word that makes the impossible possible. And not in a, in a, hyper-inflated kind of way, but in a way that God tells us is truth. And what I love about God's Word and love about God is you really can't outdo Him, you know? It's like I've had people say, you know, you get really excited about the Word and really excited about God, and and I've even tried to kind of tone it down. But I don't think when I get to heaven that God's going to go, you know, Kathleen, you were really a little too excited about me, and you thought I could do a little too much, and you just thought, I just can't, I couldn't swing it, couldn't do it. Couldn't follow through. Sorry. He, he's never let me down. And he has never, ever changed. And his word has stayed and remained in a world that everything is changing rapidly. I mean, and, and, and we have so much information. We have so many facts. And it's like amongst all of these swarming facts, which one of the facts is truth? Because truth in and of itself is exclusive. And we have all these different facts, and it's like trying to navigate through this world. And and I don't know how anyone does it without the Word. That is my my compass and and the glasses to which I I look out and see the world is through the Word. And I want to talk to you tonight, um, something you may already know, but I want you to just hear it for the first time in your heart and and really apply it to your life, because otherwise, why are you here? (laughs) You know, that's the way I look at it. It's like church check you know no one really has time for that i don't know that anyone ever had time for that but especially in today's world i mean i want everything to that i do to count i I think you do too but i want everything that i do to count i feel like the the greatest commodity that that we have is time we pay money to save time you know and it's not so much that we want to throw money away but we're desperate for time i could probably find some hard scientific facts, but I don't have them lined up with me right now. I could probably ask an astronomer who is in my midst, but I think time personally is speeding up. That's just my personal opinion. I really honestly do. And the Bible says that the days will grow shorter because the the hearts of man grow faint. The, The times are so difficult that if God didn't shorten the days, it was like you couldn't even make it. And I don't know about you, but sometimes I'm so glad to just put my head on a pillow and go to sleep. I've had a full day by 3 o'clock in the afternoon. <laughs> there are times when I'm that challenged. But I want to introduce you to a person, a real person, only he's perfect, and he will never let you down, and his name is Jesus Christ. And he has been with the world from the beginning because he created the world. And I want you to see something in the Bible. I, I love the Greek and Hebrew language, but I especially, I don't think I'm a scholar. I think I'm just very curious, but um, I especially love to look up words. And, and I wanted to look up in Hebrews 4.12. I'll read it in the um, King James. It says, for the word of God is quick and powerful and sharper than any two-edged sword, able to cut through joint and marrow to get to the heart of a man. I, I like the King James because sometimes the King James will just use those words instead of sharp. So something's different between sharp and quick. 
you know. There's something different between sharp and quick. I think sharp is like a knife, okay. Well, then the word of God is sharper than any two-edged sword. Well, truly, that is true. But it's quick and powerful. And I love it that it says this because in the word, in the Greek, the, the word quick is a verb that means to be alive, to breathe to be among the living, to have vital power in and of itself, exerting the same upon the soul, strong, efficient, powerful. I'm kind of glad my dad's not here tonight because I was trying to think of a really good example of this. But have you ever met someone or do you know someone or do you live with someone or do you, um, anyway, related to someone who they sleep really soundly, but then when you wake them up, they like basically hit the ceiling and the floor and bounce from like, room to room i mean my dad can really slumber but when you wake him up you realize he is not dead i mean this is an alive man you know i remember when we were little just crawling up to him and kind of poking him and he go what, 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 what? and and i want you to understand that the word of god is so much like that I mean, we treat it like, oh, it's just a sleeping giant, and, you know, one day we're going to go to heaven, and one day we'll understand in the by and by, but until then, we're just going to kind of move along. Well, we need to realize that God is not a sleeping giant. He is alive and quick and full of vibrancy. He is life. He created life. And that's when we start to see this fuller picture of reality. We we aren't a religion. Christianity isn't where... We depend on faith because we really can't, you know, back it up historically or scientifically or any other way. It's completely the opposite. You have to have faith to not believe in God. You have to have faith to say, how did people create all of these prophecies and then have this, like, tiny percentage chance for them to even come true at a tiny percentage of time? Um, how did they write in here that, that the word is quick and and efficacious? I don't even know if I said that right, but it means to have the power to produce the affected results, effective. You know that any time and every time I throw out the word of God or you read the word of God, it does not return void. I could even come here tonight and just say, I want to tell you all, that the law of the spirit of life in Christ Jesus has set me free from the law of sin and death. And it can do the same thing for you, no matter what is in your life tonight. And I may back that up with a human story. For instance, a year ago today, I was on incredible amounts of narcotics. Um, I actually brought the amounts, not the drugs, so don't get real excited or anything, I brought the amounts with me. I was on four milligrams of Dilaudid and about 520 milligrams of Oxycontin, Oxyfast, fentanyl patches, Valium, Neurovam, Ativan, Lorosepram. Um, in other words, a lot of narcotics and a lot of diobenzophenates, which for some of you, are, you're thinking, I don't know what you're talking about. But for other people, they're like, you're on 70 micrograms or whatever it is, milligrams of fentanyl patches and 520 milligrams of Oxycontin. And what God did after this long back surgery, and that's why I had to be on all of this stuff, is um, he allowed me to get off of all of this at home by myself. And his word is so powerful. I would say every day, and I'd pass the cabinet where the drugs were, and I'd know that 
I, my fever would go down. I would stop being really sick because it makes you not feel good at all. Anyone seen a TV drama of someone getting off drugs? Anyone want to raise their hand who's gone through drug rehab? I'm just joking. <laughs> I think I'm going to embarrass you. I'd rather break you into small groups. <laughs> just kidding. At home, because I had two children, and I wanted to get off of these drugs, and I was told that's just not even possible. Because for one thing, you're physically addicted and you're psychologically addicted. And I went to God and had peace. And he does something different every time. That's why God's God, because he's a creator and he's a person and he's a father and he loves us and we're individual and he treats us as individuals. And that's why I can't say, okay, you all all write this down because this is all going to work for you too. Turn your oven to 350 and put in your cookies. He doesn't want cookie cutter Christians. He wants us all to be who he created us to be. And I prayed and I had peace to get off all those drugs at home. It took two and a half years. It's like wishing the stomach virus on yourself for two and a half years. Add fever, add pain, add multiple other things that we don't need to go into. Two and a half years. And I did go to him. I said, God, you know, you've delivered me psychologically from drugs. Your word has. Because every day I'd walk around and say the law of the spirit of life is Christ Jesus has set me free from the law of sin and death. And narcotics and staying on narcotics is sin and death. That is the end result. And I'm free. And I would say that for two and a half years. Every day as I dropped a little bit, a little bit, a little bit. And I remember asking him, you know, God, you delivered me psychologically. Why can't you deliver me physically? Why do I have to go through it? And y'all may be here tonight thinking the same thing about something in your life. Can't I go over it, God? There may be something you're going through. And it's hard. But don't underestimate God. Don't underestimate the word of God because there's a difference in going through something with God and without him, because the key word is through. It's getting to the other side. I wish that he would have delivered me from all of that stuff. I wish, I even told him, I said, I don't want any more character. None. I don't want any more maturity. I don't want any more patience. I don't want any more character. I want to go play tennis. I don't even like tennis, but I'm going to start playing tennis. But that wasn't his plan for me. And that may not be his plan for you. But everything he does in our life is with a purpose. And everything he says in his word is with a purpose. And that's what I want to talk about tonight. Jesus, the living word, the creator. The creator. We need to awaken to the fact that Jesus is alive. Not that he's alive and sitteth at the right hand of the Father although he is, but that he is alive and in our midst, that he can do anything, that all things are possible with God, like Luke 137 says. He is quick and alive. I want us to go back to Genesis. Um, I jumped to the New Testament because I just, I love that word quick, and that's what I want you to start thinking, is that word is quick, it's alive, it's alive, it's alive. It's not just words on a paper. That, that you can take this word and say to yourself or to another person, you know, the Lord is your shepherd. You're not going to be in one. He's going to have you rest, and he's going to take care of you. He'll lead you. And that person may not hear anything else that you say, but that person can hear 
what God is saying to him or her. There's so many instances where I go to pray for someone and I have nothing to say. God has plenty to say. He always has something to say. No matter what you're going through tonight, he has something to say about it. It's a matter of, are you a seeker or not? A seeker of truth. Because Jesus says, I'm the way, the truth, and the life. And anyone who seeks after him will find him. See, there's a lot of people who are seekers of their own pleasure or seekers of the answer they want or seekers of other people's approval. And God really knows what we're seeking. And that's such good affirmation for me tonight to realize that if someone really is seeking truth, they're going to find truth. You will find truth always in the word and um, probably a little bit like Sandy in this way that I'm like the word, the word, the word, the word. But I, I'm in love with the word of God. I feel that if I say anything or um, do anything, um, it, it's in there. I mean, not that I don't do things that aren't nice. My husband's on the front row, so I can't get away with very much. But um, it means that the word shapes our lives. It created our lives. The word is Jesus. The word is alive. The word made you alive. And we're going to see it all come together and be formed together tonight, at least in a little way. If you go to Genesis 1-1, it says, in the beginning, God. I think everyone would recognize that from whatever, or most everyone. Most of us that went to Sunday school when we were little remember, in the beginning, God. He made the heaven and the earth. But you know what's interesting about that word, God? It's plural. Why? Elohim. God. Plural. Why would it be plural? See, there wasn't revelation then of Jesus Christ or the Holy Spirit. But in the beginning, God, God the Father, God the Son, God the Holy Spirit created the heaven and the earth. I've often wondered, you know, I don't know that much about the Hebrew language, but I know that pronouns don't separate the verbs and the nouns. And so you go off of the the indicative word, which is the, the possession of the noun or the verb. And I'll make that more clear in a minute. But that word, Elohim, is a, pure, a, a plural word because of the word created. And it shows that it's more than one God, and yet it's a monotheistic society. It's not even a society yet, but it's about to be. They all have one revelation of one God. For so long, for thousands and thousands and thousands of years. And then there's Jesus. And when Jesus comes, it's almost like even as Christians, we think, gosh, you know, we're, he just showed up all of a sudden. You know, oh, Christmas time. He came as a ma- in a manger as a baby. But if you look at the prophecies, Isaiah even is so careful to say, unto us a child is born, unto us a son is given. You know, even way back when you look in the Bible, it's, it's, it's obvious that Jesus didn't just appear on the scene. He was there from the beginning. And he was the word that created the world. And he was God and he was with God. I want to read some of the Bible because that's the most powerful thing I can do. In Genesis 1.26, it said, And God said, Let us, 
Now, I've always known it said let us, but I just didn't think about the fact that it said let us because it's us. It's not let me. He didn't say let me make. He said let us make man in our image after our likeness and let them have dominion over the fish of the sea and over the fowl of the air and over the cattle and over all the earth over every creeping thing that creepeth upon the earth. And so God created man in his own image. Man created him, male and female. He created them. That we're created in the image of a triune God. That we're created in the image of God, who is God the Father, God the Holy Spirit, and Jesus the Word. I wanted you to see something for those of us that are word people. Some people are and some people aren't. I love words. Matter of fact, now you know why my daughter knows amen so well. Although it's not going to work right now. If you say amen, I'm not going to quit talking. If you look at this verb make, where it says let us make, it's the word asa and the noun image. Make in our image. And they're plural words reflecting back on the pronoun God, and that's why it reads, let us, let us make man in our image. So I wanted us to look at something just curiosity-wise, because I, I get really curious, and I feel like we have, we call it a faith. We have a truth that has such an incredible amount of evidence, scientifically, historically, biologically, um, in every way, shape, and form, even just moral codes and moral law. And in looking across the ages and throughout all of these different nuances, if you will, of professionalism where people can say, well, I'm an expert in this, and I'm an expert in this, and this is how this refers to the word. Well, I may not be an expert maybe in anything, but I'm an expert in knowing that Jesus is my best friend. And so I'm going to trust him tonight to just reveal to you in his word truth who is jesus because when we know the truth the truth really does set us free it really really does set us free there isn't one thing that can hold you back from the plan of god in your life there's not one thing god's plan triumphs over all love never fails and we know in first john it says that god is love God is the truth. Let us, let us. And he loved us from the beginning. So I was just looking at like something I was curious about, and that is who wrote Genesis? Because it really had never occurred to me. I think I had always somewhat assumed that it was Moses. That's uh, maybe correct. But I wanted you to hear a couple of different things that are interesting, just that relating to the creation of the heavens and the earth, Genesis covers a thousand years in the preparation of the earth for human habitation from man's creation, Adam, down to the year of 1657 B.C. when Joseph died. It is a huge amount of human history. And it's hard for us to understand the beginning because we're finite beings and we don't really understand that there could be a beginning before the beginning. Right? Like if I said, you know, there really was a beginning to this class before the beginning, but you weren't here, so you missed the beginning. You'd be like, but I was here and I didn't miss the beginning. And it's hard for us to realize there really was a beginning. 
And the earth was formless and God said, let us and created. And, and the word of God is what spoke out and created into the world. And what is interesting to me is that people have always said that um, Moses wrote Genesis, and that might be correct. But it was interesting to think about, what, what about Adam? Couldn't Adam have written Genesis? Because we really aren't positive who wrote Genesis. We know that someone wrote it, and it's interesting that all the events that happened in Genesis happened before Moses' birth. And so Moses was writing about things that he'd never seen, which he could have done. He could have done it, and Jacob could have done it, and it could have been passed down by oratory tradition, or God could have just supernaturally given the pen to Moses. But what if Adam wrote it? We realize Adam lived for, what, six generations or more? What if he just told it to, like, his great, 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 great grandson or something? Don't you know that there was, like, a generation gap there a little bit? Can't you just imagine hanging out with your great, 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 great grandchild, you know, and going, what do you have on? You know, what are you wearing? I'm sure his, I'm sure his great great grandchild said it's better than that fig leaf he started out with. And anything is an improvement over that. Okay, so that was bad. It's interesting to start to open our minds not to guessing about God, but saying, you know, God, there is so much that I don't know. And throughout time, in this book of Genesis, we hear the word of the Lord. And then throughout the Old Testament. At the contemporary service last Sunday, Ruthie was saying that the Old Testament, the word of the Lord, appears in over 200 times. And it was interesting because I was thinking about the same thing. The word of the Lord appeared to Jeremiah. The word of the Lord appeared to Isaiah. The word of the Lord appeared to Moses. The word of the Lord, the word of the Lord. Well, who is the word of the Lord? I don't know. It's a plural God, but we only know one God. It's Jesus Christ who reveals himself. In small increments to the prophets, but who has completely manifested himself to us today. We are living in a generation that those people could only dream of. The ability to know God. The ability to be God's child. And not only God's child, but God's son and God's daughter. To walk with him as a close father. And to know that you have the connection of the creator of the universe. You have the connection of the word and all of possibility and more in and of itself. It's beyond my human comprehension. I can't wrap my brain around it, much less my English words. But I hope that you can understand the depth of what I'm saying. We're trying to teach our nine-year-old not to say I can't because that's his favorite thing, especially when he doesn't want to do something. And I don't think that we do that as adults ever. We don't ever say, I can't do that if we don't want to do it, because we know we can. I, I just catch myself all the time, you know, trying to discipline him or, or my daughter or myself. <laughs> God is so amazing how he doesn't want us either to say, I can't. I, ca I can't read the Bible. I can't get to know God. I can't. He wants us to just be his children and receive his love and to open our minds to his truth and to be humble enough to be teachable.
so that we can, through him, not because of us, but through him, we can do all things through Christ who strengthens us. And so that's what I pray tonight. Even if you're in the middle of the week and you're tired and it's too hot in here or whatever, I just want you to be able to say, I can receive whatever it is God wants me to receive tonight. Psalm 33, 4, so, so good. Um, I have to laugh because anytime I've ever taught a Bible study or spoken to any group anywhere, I have always said, and this is my favorite scripture. And then they start laughing because about five minutes later and I say, this is my favorite scripture. They're all my favorite scriptures. It says, for the word of the Lord is right and his works are done in truth. He loves righteousness and judgment and the earth is full of the goodness of the Lord. By the word of the Lord were the heavens made and the host of them by the breath of his mouth. For he spoke and it was done and he commanded and it stood fast. Let there be light. Let there be waters. Let there be seasons. Let there be. And in creating man and woman in his own image. But knowing that his image is a three-part being. And that he is plural. And then here's the writer in the book of Psalms. Most likely David. But there's. You can find people that will tell you different versions of who wrote all of Psalms as well. But the writer of the book of Psalms who loves God and does not know Jesus yet. It's way before Jesus has come on the scene. And yet he's saying the word of God created the world. The word of God. And describes to us that he spoke and it was done. He commanded and it stood fast. So who is the word of the Lord. When you look back, I, I, I sometimes wonder how can possibly we miss this? Or couldn't we ask someone who is of another faith, well, how come this word in the Hebrew is plural? Can you explain that to me? But see, God has a time and a place and he has a way of revealing to us just at the right time, just what we need to know. And we need to understand, and he really smacked me in the face with this yesterday as well, that we are saved by grace and grace alone, not by our own works, our own righteousness, or our own goodness. You may think that you're in this room and you're learning more about God and you're here because someone made you or you wanted a cheap dinner or you decided that you needed to come and show up or maybe your children better get into some kind of program so you you know drop them off and thought well I'll just go to that big room whatever reason that you're here it's not your own doing it's because Jesus appointed you from the very beginning from before the creation of the world you know the book of revelation which more and more reveals Jesus Just like it says Revelation, we have this manifestation in the New Testament. And then the very end of the New Testament, we have Revelation. It's amazing how we see in the ancients of writings all the way to the last book in the Bible, it says that the Lamb of God was slain before the foundation of the world. Wait a minute. I thought that he did create the world i thought he did create the foundation of the world he did but before that god already had a plan for you in this room are you hearing this message 
And God had to really hit me over the head with that yesterday because I kind of got really cerebral. (laughs) Imagine that. Sometimes I can get so caught up in being right that I miss the point. You know, I want to be right about who wrote the book of Genesis. And so I want to make sure I side with the most, you know, conservative historical evidence that I can get my hands on. And then I want to dig down beyond the Hebrew and find the root primary words and make sure. And and then I got myself all in a fix yesterday. I thought, I'm not really enjoying preparing this lesson. I've been preparing in my heart for a couple of weeks, but I thought, I'm not enjoying this really at all. What is wrong with me? And I realized, you know what? We hear by grace. We're saved by grace. We learn by grace. We're chosen by grace. That's how big the love of God is. And that word, that living word, that logos word of God from the very beginning chose you. We have our 16-year-old, well, she'll be 16 this weekend. Um, she's not driving yet. Thank you, Jesus. Um, she's kind of behind on her driver's license kind of stuff because she went to Peru this summer as a missionary for a month. And so she, and then she started playing soccer and then, I don't know what kids do on the computer, but it takes a lot of time. Um, Actually, we do know, but it's not bad. But anyway, we have another child, a little boy who's nine. His name is Storm. I call him my little Persian. Actually, he's from Armenia. And I know in my heart, and I could tell you, and I will tell you, the story of how Storm came to be with us. But he was ours before he knew us. My husband and I had opened our hearts and our desire to adopt a child from an orphanage in a world, in a land, in a country where they would have nothing. They go to Moscow to make money. Can you imagine going to Moscow to make money? In Yerevan, Armenia, they go to Moscow to make money. That is a poor country. We had opened our hearts to adopt a child. And then we knew of this child. And we knew of this child's birth. And Lacey went over to Armenia for two weeks to to retrieve Storm, to bring him home. And came home empty-handed by a lot of red tape and a lot of regulations and one kind of nutty guy from Moscow Lacey went back a second time and was able to bring Storm home after another two weeks. But Storm didn't choose us. He didn't say, oh, okay, let me flip through. Oh, is this going to be my room? Because I like it. Is this going to be my mom? He didn't choose us. We chose him. And we are God's children just like that. But nothing warms my heart more than when he puts his arms up to me And especially when he was little and he used to say, hold you. See, because that's him choosing me back. And that's what God wants from us tonight. Not to be right. Not to have the most knowledge. Not to be the smartest or even be able to say the most scriptures. But to truly be his child and then in and of that, have that curiosity of, wait a minute, you chose me. I want to know you. I really want to know you. And then sometimes we get to that point in our lives where we don't really have a choice because we are in between a rock and a hard place anyway. 
And that's when we kind of do the drowning prayer like, God, okay, I'll get to know you. Please help me. But whether you're there or whether you're on some remote, wonderful island in a hammock and are just here going, well, life is great. I don't have any worries. I don't have any problems. I just want to know God. I don't see anybody here like that. But if you are, that's fine. He loves you. And he wants to know you. And we're going to get to know him more and more. John 1.10 says, he, and this is John, the beloved, it gets interesting that Jesus had three close to him, just like the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit, that triune number again. And John wrote, he, Jesus, was in the world, and the world was made by him, and the world knew him not. He came unto his own, and his own received him not. But as many as received him, to them he gave him power to become the sons of God, even to them that believe on his name. And then in verse 14, if we were wondering, if we were still doubting about, is Jesus truly the word of God, God, the Father, the creator made flesh? John says, and the word was made flesh, John 1, 14. And dwelt among us, and we beheld his glory, the glory as of the only begotten of the Father, full of grace and truth. It's that missing puzzle piece. It's that missing puzzle piece. It takes a very patient person to be really into puzzles. But I have definitely gone through puzzles, especially when my daughter was younger and we were always missing like two or three pieces. So it was so frustrating because we'd finish the puzzle and we could see the picture, but we couldn't see the full picture because we were missing some of the pieces. And in the Old Testament, they were missing some of the pieces and they really had to go off of faith. Matter of fact, they went off of a lot of, well, the prophet so-and-so said, or so-and-so said, or so-and-so said, or so they said. That's probably where we got they said. Don't you all know that they said? They said you can't wear white during winter, right, Mom? Of course, you can now, but, or I, maybe I should say a Jewish idiom. Um, they said he has a lot of chutzpah. You know, they had to go off of what they were told and what was revealed to someone else, and then it was secondhand. But with us, it's right here. It's revelation. It's right here. It's Jesus today in manifestation. And here in the book of John, I love the way it says, and the word was made flesh and dwelt among us full of grace and truth. And isn't that the truth? Jesus says, I am the truth. He says, if you know the truth, the truth will set you free. And so yesterday, going back to that story, um, I just got kind of blue. I know none of you have ever been blue, but I just got kind of blue. And then my mind went to something I could be worried about, which I legitimately could be very worried about. And then I got to where I wasn't enjoying learning because I feel like the more you learn, the more you know you don't know. And the more I know I don't know, the more I want to know because I want to be right, right? And then we forget about the whole picture, which is God loved you and loves me. And he left us this word, and we are amongst the privileged to be able to have access to it, literally 24-7. 
I can get the word on my iPhone. I can get the word on the radio. I can get the word in a book. I keep a Bible next to me in the car because I, I don't think I've, I, it's rare that I've, that I've been bored. I don't remember being bored. Because if I'm in a stop light that's really long, I'll read the Bible. If, if I'm, and, and I'm not trying to make people feel bad. I mean, I, I tell people sometimes the truth about things that I do and, um, then they say, well, great. I feel really bad about myself because I look for different rock stations and, you know, and I'm not saying I'm like Miss Perfect. I'm just saying that I know from God revelation and human just um, manifestation from God and from personal experience that the word is live. And that if I can just get you to see a little bit tonight that your Bible is alive and quick. It's like that sleeping man, that sleeping giant. Just understand that once you open it up and once you wake it up, it's going to do something. And have that expectation. And yesterday I just prayed and said, God, what is wrong? What is wrong with me? And he just showed me, you know, you like to be right. Which my husband will confirm is completely not true. It's very true. I think I've spent the last 22 years of my marriage trying to not want to need to be right. Does that even make sense? Okay, I don't even need to be right. We want to be right in what we believe. And we want to believe truth. And we don't want to believe heresy. But sometimes we need to just let go and be kids and go, God... Jesus was slain for me, and you chose me? Just like Lacey went and got Storm from Armenia and chose him as a little bitty baby when Storm couldn't even hold his head up? He didn't choose us. We chose him. Meaning we chose Storm, and in the same way, God chose you. Choose him back. Be like a little child, because the Bible says that you really can't come to God unless you become like little children. Be like a little child and be like, God holds you. That's what Storm used to say to me. It doesn't matter to me how smart you are or how much trouble you're in or how impossible the situation seems, whether it be physical or financial or spiritual or relational. God has a way and God has a plan. And his word never fails. And one of the things it says in the word that he will use everything that is meant for evil and turn it to good. Another thing he says in his word in Romans 8, 28 is that he works all things for good to those that love him and are called according to his purposes. That's you and me. We're called. We didn't call. You know, it's interesting because I'm just going to tell myself, but I can get so into the word and so into truth, which is great. In deciphering words, which I love, which is great, but then I can slide over into the being right, which isn't so great, which I didn't even know I was going to talk about tonight, but that's why I got kind of sad yesterday, because I like to have my life kind of all figured out, so I wanted to have this talk all figured out. You know, God have other talks to give, and so just give me that talk, and the more I studied, the more deeply I got into it until I realized I'm not presenting it to you all. I'm not presenting it to radio. I'm not presenting it to a church. I am literally just going to glorify God by 
manifesting his word, who is Jesus Christ. And Jesus Christ's word can speak for himself. In my life and in your life, in many, many different situations, the word speaks for itself. Jesus, the word, was there from the beginning. He's the missing puzzle piece. Hebrews 10.1 says, the law was only a shadow of good things to come. And it's interesting, in the Greek, that word shadow is the word skia, and it means shade caused by light. Wow. Well, why? Because, see, the light appeared in the world as Jesus Christ, and it shone in the darkness, and the darkness didn't understand. And it was just a mere shadow before in the Old Testament. And here is Jesus, full of light, full of truth. And John writes of him in the Greek language as the logos word. I love that word, logos. One of the words that the primary word to logos is Lego. And that's where they got the word Lego. And I don't know about your house, but our house is a Lego minefield waiting to happen. If you go barefoot at night, expect to step on a Lego. But see, they're little building blocks. The Word of God is little not little, powerful building blocks that created the entire world. The word of God is Jesus Christ. We don't get Lego from nothing. It's a little building block that children learn to build one upon another upon another until they can create a whole building or a whole spaceship or a whole whatever. But really, it stands for the living word, Jesus Christ. The Logos word. I love the way that in the New American Standard, I usually read the King James, um, I don't know, maybe because I want to appear lofty or something, but no, I really just like the way the King James is written, and I have my Strong's Concordance next to me a lot where I'm looking at Greek and Hebrew, and, and I'm curious, and, and it just tends to speak to me. Um, there are so many different variations of the Bible. Just read one. But read it and, and say it and speak it and know that it's not returning void because it's alive. It's Jesus Christ, the Logos word. And know that your situation tonight isn't dead. You know, Jesus went up to the tomb of Lazarus and said, Lazarus, come out. And he can do the same thing with us tonight. Whatever looks dead, whatever looks like it's done, it's past, it's too far gone, it's impossible. Or maybe we've gone too far. Or maybe we are just doubting ourselves. We've lost confidence. Put your confidence back in the word. Just like a child has confidence in their father. A good father. A little child says, hold me. Or a storm would say, hold you. I'm going to have to wind down in in just a minute. But I wanted to just... Say what it says here in this New American Standard, Hebrews 1, 1. It says, God, after he spoke long ago to the fathers and the prophets in many portions and in many ways, in these last days, has spoken to us in his Son, whom he appointed heir of all things. And in verse 3, it says, and who upholds all things by the word of his power. How is everything upheld? You know, sometimes we wonder, we have... Physical laws, we have the law of gravity. How is that upheld? It's upheld by spiritual laws, which are the laws that God has mandated 
through Jesus Christ that are perfect? What is keeping the earth on its axis? What is keeping us in the perfect gravitational force? What is keeping you? What, how could, could you possibly have the child that you have? Did you just say, okay, let me show you this picture and then I'm going to design this child? I mean, that's what scares me is I don't want to ever have to go through some drive through called design a child. And, you know, we want to keep God, God. And I know it's just like the Tower of Babel. He's not going to let man get so prideful and so far gone. We need to go back to him because he's already come for us. Now, Lacey loves it when Storm comes up and gives him a hug and says, I love you, Daddy. And he hardly ever reminds Storm, you know, Storm, I um, left my comfortable world in America, went to Russia, went through all that, went to Armenia, went through massive amounts of paperwork for years and years and years and paid X amount of money and did this and that. And that would be nothing compared to what God did for us. He gave us himself because he so loved us. Let's pray. Jesus Christ, I, I love you. And I just pray for every single person hearing this that They know your love. They know your love like a child would know the security of a good and perfect father. Lord, we know that you say in the book of James that every good and perfect gift comes down from the father of lights who doesn't change like shifting shadows. You tell us in Hebrews 13 that you are the same yesterday, today, and forever. If your word ever parted the seas, which it did, if it ever caused dried bones to rise as it did in the book of Ezekiel, all of the things that we now archaeologically, even Noah's Ark, can prove. If it ever had power, which it does, it has the same power today. Jesus is the same yesterday, today, and forever. Let us go out tonight, tomorrow, the next day. Read your word and speak your word and expect you to do those things in our life and in the lives of others that only God can do. We are so thankful to be saved by your love and your grace. And we are so thankful to be in a generation and in a place where we can know the truth and the truth can set us free. Amen. We hope that you've enjoyed Kathleen's message. To order a copy of this and other messages, please call us in San Antonio, Texas at 210-822-5500 or toll free outside the San Antonio area, 877-397-7773. That's 1-877-397-7773. Visit our website, KathleenWitten.org, K-A-T-H-L-E-E-N-W-H-I-T-T-E-N.org. Thank you.